openness, respect, integrity. These are principles that need to underpin pretty much every other decision you make. Justin Trudeau. My name is Thandor, and I enjoy walking in the woods. I'm Fezzik, and I love wandering the world. And then if we find orcs, great, we'll get to hunt them. Well, I am Corin, a gnome with anger issues who spontaneously bursts into other animal forms uh, when things annoy him. I play Stanton Hopperfield, who at this point is the Lightfoot Halfling Ranger. Welcome to a very special episode of Leaders and Legacies. I'm the Scouter DM, Dave Rockwell. And with me today, instead of the regular cast, is Juno-nominated Canadian rock legend Murray Foster. Many of you may know Murray from Great Big Sea, Moxie Fruvis, and Tall New Buildings. But Murray is also a dedicated community leader in Toronto, helping artists. And he's here today to talk to us about his upcoming Dungeons & Dragons musical called The Quest. We'll find out all kinds of details, but please do remember to check the show notes see where you can get your tickets to what is sure to be a great time where music and Dungeons and Dragons come together. First of all, welcome. Yeah, I'm here for our first ever Leaders and Legacies interview. Um, We've got a phenomenal guest for our uh, tabletop community to hopefully ingest and enjoy a little bit of his story. Please welcome Murray Foster of The Quest. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Any questions for me about the tabletop community before we start uh, harassing? I mean, I have a million questions for you, but I don't know what the focus of this this podcast is. Like, if I, like, I'd be happy to interview you about it. I do have a ton of questions, um, partly because, uh, I mean, to lead into this, um, I uh, I played Dungeons and Dragons in the late seventies. I bought the first edition when I was like, you know, I just stumbled upon it in seventy seven or whatever, seventy eight. And played for 20 years with a sort of a diminishing number of people as I got older and they got more mature and I didn't. And um, and then, you know, that ended for 20 years until last uh, last year when a friend of mine, um, kind of apropos of nothing, sort of said, do you want to join a game that I've started online? Um, and so I've been playing. I'm, I'm back playing uh, for the last year and I'm back DMing as of two weeks ago. So I've jumped back into that into that seat as well. So, and I mean, you know, to give the full backstory, I guess, um, three years ago started writing this musical called the quest, which is about four teenage girls who play dungeons and dragons. Um, so, uh, you know, oddly enough, I, I sort of came up with that idea for a musical and then two years later rejoined a game or joined a game. And so now I'm, 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 I'm deep into the community again, you know, I'm, I'm well in back into it. So, uh, so yeah. It sounds like you, yeah, you're a member of the TTP RPG community already. Yeah, which is great. One of the things that our podcast is attempting to do is connect these bits of of uh, the community to other things that they may be excited about. I believe I can correctly call you a Canadian rock legend. Uh, you can call me that. It's 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 semi correct. I mean, I, I'm a I'm an old old Canadian rocker, older Canadian rocker. I don't know if that makes me a legend, but um, I'll happily wear it if you if you put that on me. 
Yeah, well, just to give you know, uh, our listeners a little bit of uh, context for you, and this is where my weird question that we were discussing before comes in, is if, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> you know, yeah. every famous source, you know, it, it says that at age 12, you had your first gig at a Peter Frampton concert. Now, yeah, that, it, I assume that was you guys going to it, but did you actually get to perform with Pete Frampton at age 12? No, I think uh, it doesn't say attended my first concert. It says went to his first gig. Yeah, that attended my first concert. Yeah, Peter didn't get Peter didn't get me up on stage to shred. That's for sure. True Canadian rock legend. Yeah, yeah. Pete Frampton at twelve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Peter Frampton saying, "I can't believe Murray Foster's here, the twelve-year-old prodigy." He didn't say that. You do have some amazing creds to your resume, including yeah, the nineteen eighties tall new buildings, which I'm sure is a for you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I get this wrong. Yeah, Moxie Fruvis. Yes, Moxie Fruvis. Yeah. Great Big C, which is of course how you and I met. We'll talk a little bit about you know yeah. our, our foyer into that. Have, you know, you have this amazing career of music, but that apparently wasn't enough for you. You went into film um, with the Cockshore Lads movie, and then you know apparently that wasn't even enough for you. You had to become this tremendous Canadian community leader. With you know, just to name a few of your outside adventures, we know you've been involved with the you know, the Urban Orchestra. Is that still ongoing? Still ongoing, yeah. The Urban Choir was that also part of that, or Qu- Choir Nation? Yeah, it's a separate thing. Yeah. Wikipedia says that you're involved in several green initiatives. I, apparently, if Wikipedia says it, then I'm I'm on board. How does all of that tie together in a bow for you? Um, yeah, you know, because it, it's important. I think that these yeah, you know, that people that have multi talents really get out there, lead, and make space? Because I think with some of your ventures, you've been trying to really make some space for Canadian artists to be able to grow and have opportunities to you know, flourish and practice their craft without uh, having to worry about uh, everything that life throws at them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I went to U of T uh, as a young man, and uh Sort of at the end of my tenure there, um, this band that I was in called Moxie Fruvis took off. And, you know, I think I think I went down the rabbit hole at that point, you know, like I was taken off the normal path. I don't know what that normal track would have been for me. I'll never know. But, um, you know, I sort of joined a rock band and ran away to the circus. And I think once you do that, um, all the choices that follow um, seem like from the outside seem wacky and random, but that's because you're not on the normal track. Right. And so for me, what I've done really is just walk through every door that I see. That's been my MO, um, you know, led by passions in terms of making a film or passions about the environment and that kind of thing. But, but um, I think when you're, you know, when you're a musician, you are presented with these different doors and, um, and my choice has been to walk through them and it's led me to a bunch of pretty cool places. Yeah. That's, I think, to give you that connector bit, part of our, our, our podcast came about from, you know, wanting to combine D&D with our scouting leadership and open up communities where they can feel safe to play together and to explore and maybe then make the rest of the neighborhood a better place. So it, it, I was seeing this kind of as I was going through your resume of, oh, wow, the, yeah, Murray is really actually a community leader when it comes down to, you know, yes, he's got all these other cool things in his past, but yeah. You've spent a good part of the last decade really kind of contributing and giving back to you know Toronto as well as I think probably other you know uh, parts of Canadian culture. Would that be a fair assessment? 
Yeah, I think. Yeah, again, I think I, my motivation is is partly community building um, and partly just again following my interests and and seeing where they where they go and and saying yes to opportunities that pre- present themselves. You know, um, and 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 you know, throwing myself into them, like putting my putting energy into them when they when they arrive. Um, but yeah, I, I was asked to join the uh, Toronto Music Advisory Council about seven years ago, and um, you know, advising advising the city about music issues and that type of thing. And that led me to this project with another guy, which was going to build affordable housing for musicians in Toronto. And we got, I mean, we got pretty far. We got we were partnered with a developer. We had the green light. We had sixteen million dollars in the bank, and then the city sort of pulled the plug on their their involvement and that it all fell apart. Um, but again, that for me, that was just following like walking through the doors that were sort of there, you know, I, you know, I'm passionate about musicians and I'm passionate about, um, their plight. I'm I'm passionate about how hard they have it. Um, and how little money they make and how their opportunities are vanishing and how their, their ability to afford to live in cities they want to live in, uh, is, is sort of diminishing and all that stuff. And Spotify rates are criminal and, and all that stuff. And so that those passions lead me down certain paths as well. You know, I mean, for the last two or two years, two or three years, I was, I've been trying to rally some kind of, uh, I don't know what uh, campaign to change Spotify rates and, and YouTube ra- viewing rates, uh, which eventually, you know, <laughs> the organizations I was sort of talking to, they eventually stopped taking my emails because I think they, <laughs> they sort of said, I think they they saw that it was pretty hopeless, like it was just too big a David and Goliath kind of battle. Um, but that's still something I'm passionate about. I just don't know where to put that passion. I don't know what levers to sort of work to uh, to to fix that. But again, that that. Uh, but if someone came to me tomorrow and said, you know, even based on this podcast, said let's fight that fight, let's put together a legal team and take them to the court, I would be there in a second. You know. And so it's partly uh, it's partly me being motivated to help a community, and it's partly me walking through doors that are presented. I guess you know. It's great that you bring that up because I know you know through my wife Kim, yeah, we we met you, but we've met so many other artists that have been infected by you know the exact issue you're talking about, which is where well, even before there was a different model that was taking money and pushing it somewhere else, but that artists really do have a hard time you know making money unless they're touring, and I'm sure. Yeah, I know we've been trying to, you know, be supportive of folks who are doing the at-home concerts and things like that. Um, and um, but uh, yeah, that yeah, the, there's a lot of unfairness built into the system, especially around the music um, and, as well as other arts. Yeah, it's just sort—it's kind of not workable anymore. Like I, I, I teach songwriting and I teach at Seneca College here in Toronto, and you know, it's a bunch of twenty-year-old twenty-year-old students, and they they they'll come up to me and say like, "What's your advice?" in terms of making a career in music. And I kind of say, how much truth do you want from one to 10? You know, cause you're not going to like 10. One is go for it. 10 is like, I don't know. I really don't know how it's possible. You know, I, you could, if you work your ass off, you could thread the needle and, and, and make it happen. And here's what I'd advise, but it's, it's really grim out there. You know, it's, it's terrible for musicians right now. Yeah, so you know, I guess this is our plug for everyone to go out there and support you. You know, your favorite musician, whoever they are, whatever they're doing. Um, you know, many of our friends friends are from your community in Toronto as well as from Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, but uh, you know, even here in the U.S., there's plenty of local artists that are doing amazing things that you know should be supported. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. 
So yeah, I guess to circle back to the, the theme that seemed to be running through is taking opportunities that present themselves to you. It sounds like yeah, this opportunity to do a Dungeons and Dragons themed uh, musical presented itself to you. And, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like the, 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 what we're about to see is not necessarily the first foyer. I think I was reading online that you guys did kind of a preview or a, a test run of it last spring. Yeah, we did our first sort of workshop production last June, and it was a virtual production because of the pandemic. Um, and that was through Bravo Academy in Toronto, which is a which is maybe Canada's number one youth musical theater training school. Um, and they took us on about a year ago, actually a year ago uh, last January. And um, uh, yeah, we the musical was quite embryonic when they said yes to us, and so we had to really hustle to get a, a sixty minute show together for them. And then the director of that show in June, her name is Stephanie Graham, she got hired by a a Canadian College of Performing Arts in Victoria, B.C. uh, to direct a show. And she sort of brought us with her. She pitched us to them and they said, yeah, that sounds great. And so we have a show in, well, they're in rehearsals right now, uh, February 11th to 16th, um, Canadian College of Performing Arts. There are links there. You can watch it virtually. They've got good microphones and cameras for all all people around the world. And um, yeah, so this is our second production. We have a third one uh, with the Randolph School in Toronto in May. Um, Yeah. And so we, we, you know, with every one of these deadlines, we have to, you know, we had to rush to get it to a 60 minute show in June. Then for this production, we had to rush like crazy to rewrite it and get it to a 90 minute show. Then for the Randolph show, we have to cut it back down to a 60 minute show based on the 90 minute show. Uh, so it's, 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 it's a ton of work. It's a crazy ton of work. And, you know, even this afternoon we were rewriting a song for the fourth time that, that, because it wasn't quite right, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great work, but it's, uh, it's way more work than you think writing a musical. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, I've, you know, put together improv shows. And yeah, it's amazing how much work goes into not being prepared for anything. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So, only imagine the preparedness adds a whole level of difficulty. Well, I mean, the thing is with a musical, because it's it's words and lyrics and songs and dance, really. Um, if you change one element, you have to change all the other elements around it, right? I mean, it's this ecosystem, right? And so you change the script and suddenly the song that was in that moment doesn't work. So you have to change the song, right? And they have to rewrite those lyrics. and then the, And then those lyrics will affect the dialogue around it. So you have to change the dialogue again. And so it's this loop of um, constantly like iterating lyrics and songs and, and dialogue. So yeah, it's great fun though. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to get a lot of people to come and check it out virtually. For sure. One and yeah, now that I know about the one in May, that's even better because that'll give people opportunity to see it a couple times and in different formats. Yeah. Yeah. There's one, I, I do have to say, uh, there's one issue that is arise, arising from, uh, from this production. And it is that, um, so the show opens with these four teenage girls playing Dungeons and Dragons. And so they're sitting on a table in a basement with dice and pen, you know, pencils and paper. Um, and they start playing. And as they start playing, you know, they walk into this room where there's an ogre and some goblins, right? And so... Um, in that moment, the lighting changes and the sound design changes. It turns into like this, how you trained your, how, how, how to train your dragon, like dramatic orchestral music, some film score kind of music. 
And there are three avatars, a barbarian, a bard, and a, a wizard run on the stage. And then like an ogre and six goblins run on the stage as well. And so we watch this battle happening. So they're rolling dice at the front of the stage while this battle is being enacted, you know, um, with their avatars at the back of the stage. So, you know, this has been the idea for this opening scene for two years or something like that. <clears throat> and I thought, wouldn't this be a great dramatic action packed way to start a musical? So anyway, as it turns out, you know, we get into rehearsals with CCCP uh, and they're, you know, they're in their early 20s or whatever. And um, a couple of them go, yeah, um, we play D&D and your this battle is not following the rules of 5E. <laughs> That's awesome. And so they're like, we, we'd like to have a meeting with you. So that meeting was actually going to happen today. I think I think they were too busy rehearsing, but it's going to happen like tomorrow. And these these nerds are going to come at, come at me. They're going to cancel me. Um, <laughs> and the thing is now, like um, I've been I've been DMing on this like twice now um, in the last couple of weeks, and it's my first time with Five E because I go back 30, 40 years with the game, right? Um, and so I, there are all these rules now, like these guys I'm playing with. They're like, yeah, dude, there's, I actually get a bonus action now, you know, and all these 5e rules that I don't, don't, I don't really know that I know them now, but I don't know them cold. Um, but yeah, the, the script is full of all this stuff that's not, you know, at one point, one character swings and takes down two goblins. And these guys are like, yeah, dude, that yeah, it's not possible, really, you know, in 5e. And so, uh, but for me, like, what the balance that I have to strike is, um, I have to make it comprehensible to people who don't play, obviously, right? right. But I also don't want to—I don't want to piss off the nerds, right? Like I don't want the nerds coming at me in the in the foyer after the uh, after the performance, right? After the production, they're like, "Yeah, could we have a word with you?" I don't want that either, right? And so I'm going to have to like I'll see what they say to me tomorrow in terms of how I'm not towing the line with the rules, the real rules. Um, but I do have to serve these two sort of interests, like people who play and people who don't play. And both of them have to watch this opening scene and, and kind of go, okay, that checks out, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm currently facing as a, as a musical theater writer and DM. Yeah. Well, DM to DM. I mean, yeah, the one bit of advice I can give you for this conversation is the DM is always right. So. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a collaborative storytelling platform. So I, I assume you'll probably, even though I gave you that advice, collaborate with them to figure out how to. Make Absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, perhaps I can thread that needle somehow, you know, and, and maybe they just have one or two things that I'm sort of transgressing and I can fix them pretty easily. Yeah, um, well, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good thing that, yeah, they're at least not, could we make this a Pathfinder play? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. It's So it's funny, like, and, I, and it's, um, I mean, I'm glad I'm playing uh, and writing it. Like, I'm glad I'm not just writing it and out of touch with the game for 25 years, you know, it's, it, it feels better now to be in touch with the game as well as writing the, the you know, I, I just feel a little more legit uh, writing it, you know, um, so, so, so that I can have this conversation with these nerds who are going to come at me tomorrow, you know, well, yeah, uh, with, yeah. with short swords. Yeah, I guess that, yeah, that you've, you've mentioned a couple times that you've played it well in the past. So uh, I guess what was the first module you played in? I bought the, the original box. The real original box, like levels one to three, like the first edition of anything, you know, uh, and I still have it. I still have that blue booklet 
right? Um, <clears throat> and I still have like character sheets from that era as well, you know. Um, the first time, like, and I and I just read The Hobbit, and so I was I couldn't believe this game existed, and read the book like voraciously, the D and D book. And then I got my family to play because I was like, I didn't know who to play with. And so like my dad played and two of my brothers. And the way we played was they were all on separate teams. So I made a dungeon, but like my dad attacked the dungeon from the north. And then my brother attacked the dungeon from the east. And my other brother attacked the dungeon from the south. And they were like, "Uh, we don't get this. (laughs) So a profound misunderstanding of how the game was played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of like laser tag, but without lasers. (laughs) Yeah, they were just like, yeah, they got into the first room and they're like, yeah, we're going to go and, you know, watch television now. So, yeah, well, yeah, that's an interesting place to start. Did you I assume you continued on after, you know, kind of the, the, the not so successful first outing with your family? Well, then I found my, you know kids at school, right. Who had discovered it. And so that was, that kept me going through high school. And then a couple of us kept going through university and beyond that. In fact, for the last, I would say 10 years, there was just two of us, me and a friend and I would DM and he would be, he was the only guy playing. So probably for the last 10 years, I was just DMing for one guy, you know, cause we couldn't find anyone else. So. Well, yeah, you picked a good time to, to make a musical because, you know, over the last few years, Dungeons and Dragons, as well as tabletop gaming, have you know, been having this huge renaissance. And, you know, the, you know, you name it and you're looking for it, it's available and out there. So, you know, when I heard you were doing this, I was like, oh, yeah, I cannot wait to see what comes out of this. Because, you know, as we mentioned before, I enjoyed your movie, the Cockshore Lads movie. And, you know, seeing what you can play with in the different genres has always been fun. So, yeah, I guess, is there anything yeah. we need to know about the, you know, the musical that uh, you, know, you haven't told us so far? No, I mean, it, it's, it's, I think, you know, it's for teens, but I think anyone would enjoy it. Like, it, it stars teens, uh, but I think it's, it's, it's not like just a light comedy. It's actually, there's, there's some serious drama. And, and, you know, we take their, we, we take their problems seriously. And I think, um, that's what that's why it'll be appealing to all ages. We don't condescend to these teenagers and their sort of quote unquote teen problems, you know. So uh there there are people facing real problems. Um yeah, I th- and that's about it. I mean, I think in terms of the the premise of the show, um there are these, you know, four teenage girls, one's the DM and three are playing. And um, you know, then they run off to high school after that first scene, like go to school in that morning. And, um, one of them says, you know, we're all kind of stuck. Like I like this boy, but he, I can't, I'm too scared to ask him. The other was like, I write all these songs. I'm too afraid to play them at the talent show. The other one was like, I used to have this best friend, but we're on the outs now and I don't know how to make up. And so the DM in the middle of the high school hallway says, okay, let's play the game for a moment. Here's the chest. They open the chest and there's a scroll that says your quest is to ask this boy out to the dance, your quest is to play a song at the talent show and your quest is to make up with your friend. And so they get real life quests basically. And that's the, that's the premise of the show. Oh, that's, that's absolutely a cool idea. And in fact, it ties in part of the reason that we try to incorporate Dungeons and Dragons with scouting is, Hey, it's a communication tool. It's a team building exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that connection there. And in fact, you know, it does kind of speak to one of the things is challenging us to take on bigger things in our, our everyday life that we might not. Um. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like one, one, sorry. One of the lines that they say is like, you've, you've fought enough imaginary monsters. Now it's time to fight some real monsters. Right. So it's like, 
they gain this courage within the game and then they take that courage out to the real world basically. And they also, you know, in terms of like a message for scouts out there, um, the game is a great forum with, even within this, this musical where they test out personalities, right? So people who are super meek in the world, in the game can be bold and could do bold things and speak boldly and do bold things and test out that as a way of being and then like play test it and then take it into the real world. So that's, that actually happens in the musical as well. Oh, awesome. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that ties into another question I have. I know, you know, Canada does have its own scouting program. Were you ever involved with uh, Canadian scouting? I was a cub. I was a cub. Yeah. Oh, for awesome. a number of years. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Did you get this? Does, does Canada do the uh, Pinewood Derby the same way our Cubs do, which is racing those wooden cars down the track? Um, not as much. I didn't, I didn't do it and I haven't heard of it, but uh, yeah, but maybe they do, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm several decades out of touch with it. So. Oh, gotcha. Well, that's still pretty cool that we've got that connection too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, you know, so another question I have for you is what, you know, I, as we mentioned towards the beginning, you're always doing multiple things. What else do you have kind of in the hopper right now? Uh, what, what's uh, keeping you pandemic busy? Well, I mean, the, uh, the musical has been sort of all consuming. I've got a home studio um, and people are recording albums. And so I've been, it's been a year of making excuses why their albums aren't finished basically. Um, but that's been, uh, that's been keeping me busy, which is great. It's a huge learning curve, learning how to use all the software, getting all that stuff together. Um, now that the musical's sort of done, like as of, you know, three, four hours ago, um, uh, I may record a solo album finally. Like I'm, I'm long overdue, I think, to record a bunch of songs that have kicking around. So I might do that in my home studio and, and a bunch of other projects. I, I do want to write a, a book about songwriting at some point, maybe not this year, but um, I teach it, you know, one of my other, you know, main things is uh, running a songwriting school, Toronto songwriting school. Um, and I feel like I've done it enough that I, that I, I know the ground well enough that I could probably, I feel like I could write the book now, um, and write a book that isn't out there yet. Uh, so at some point when I have time, I'll be doing that as well, I think. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'd mm. love to, to see that. I know, well, I'm not necessarily going to sign up for your songwriters classes. It looks like they're always fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm sure one of the, the things that's kind of been the hardest about the pandemic for you is that your songwriters uh, you know, classes occasionally would take retreats and go places. Um, you know, did you guys have one canceled? Did you miss out on an opportunity to go anywhere interesting? Yeah, we canceled uh, three. Um so two years ago, like basically right now, we were in Austin, Texas for a songwriter retreat. And we got home like March 1st, 2020, like just two weeks before everything shut down. So we barely made it out of the States, you know. Um, and then all the rest of the 2020 ones were canceled. And then 2021, last uh, December, last November, we had our first one. So we, we missed five or something that we would have done. And then this, this uh, April, we have one coming up as well in Prince Edward County in Ontario. So, yeah, I think we're on, you know, I, you know, when Omicron hit, we were worried that we'd have to cancel this new one, but I think we're on track to do it. I think it'll be fine. And from there on, I think we won't, we'll probably do four, three or four a year going forward. And I, I don't think we'll have to cancel going forward. So. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I guess, is there a website where if, if people are interested in your um, songwriting school? Yeah. Um You can do all the, all of our courses online, which is another pandemic change. You know, we, we never would have done it pre-pandemic or without the pandemic. Um, 
but uh, we're never going back. It, it has been a great improvement in many ways. Um, so people can take courses on songwriting, lyric courses as well, um, and then come to our getaways, some of which are, most of which are on, on, in Ontario, but more and more now we're going to the States and Ireland and places like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know, uh, I know one question, you know, my, you know, Kim, yeah, as you know, my wife, <laughs> um, you know, works for the National Association for Music Education. I guess, you know, what are some of the things you've learned about educating people in music over, you know, the pandemic? You know, I assume you're using something like Zoom or another service. You know, what, what, uh, what can really, you know, how, how has that benefited the, you know, the, the music community to be able to have that in place of, yeah, I know it's probably unideal, but <laughs> yeah, um, you know, how to support the arts. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it's unideal in some ways, but it's better in many ways. One of them is that, um, you know, when, when the classes took place in my living room, uh, we were limited to people in Toronto. And even then it was people in, you know, who could get to my place in a reasonable amount of time. And Toronto is a pretty sprawling city. And even then they were like, yeah, like I have to get home from work at five forty and then have a 10 minute dinner and commute 40 minutes to your house, you know, and then commute 40 minutes home at nine 30 at night, you know, in January. So even people who were coming to classes, I think are happy to not have to commute to the songwriting classes. So there's that, but also now our, our, our student body is, you know, it's Cleveland and Vancouver and Ottawa and St. John's and, you know, people from this guy from Norway, you know, so that's one real upside. And I think that's true for everyone. Now that we're all Zoom savvy, um, we have access to all this education and all these experiences, albeit virtual, but uh, stuff that we never could have done before, you know. And early in the pandemic, there are people, you know, people from Ottawa who are like, I've been checking your courses for three years, but I live in Ottawa and suddenly I can take your, your classes. And so that's been a real upside. Um, yeah. And, and there's a bunch of other stuff that's cool about doing it over Zoom. Um, that I could get into more technical stuff, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind it. You know, I, I think it's, uh, it's working really well. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad yeah, that, uh, that, uh, yeah, that, uh, provided an opportunity that may not have been there other, uh, you know, with everybody kind of out and about doing things that, uh, you know, I, having heard some of the music from some of your, you know, the performances from your, your students, it, it's, yeah great that people were able to connect with you because I think they, you know, it seems like your students learn a lot and really can kind of expand on muscles they didn't even know they had. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, in 2020, like from week one, so March of that year, we started doing weekly um, song circles where we just, we had a zoom link and anyone could come. And so for the first, for months and months, like for most of 2020, um, we would have 15 to 20 people or more, just come and sing a song. And then we did a check-in where it's like, how are you doing? You know? And I think <clears throat> that year was pretty rough on people. I mean, it still is obviously. Um, but in terms of mental health, it was a rough year and people adjusting to the new reality. And so we were able to provide just this, this, um, a weekly moment of connection and music and, um, just a chance for people to say, yeah, I've, I've had a pretty rough week, um, or a, a great week, or like, I'm really struggling with this and just, share those experiences. And so, you know, that's something that wouldn't have happened without, you know, this switch to, to zoom and the, and this new technology. So there is some connection that can happen that wouldn't have, have otherwise have happened. So, yeah, it's 
good in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I did notice in that, you know, uh, this is probably my last activism question for you is, yeah, it sounded like you were big into Toronto bike safety <laughs> at one point, at least according to your wiki. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, has has uh, the pandemic at least helped bikers get out there and do more biking? I know you know, the last time I physically saw you in person, you were riding away on bike after having breakfast with us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a fairly avid. I don't know if I'm, I'm not really an activist. I mean, I played one. I, I emceed an event, a bike event years ago. But uh, yeah, no, I think like in many places, like in 2020, you couldn't buy a bike in Toronto. I mean, everyone just every bike that was for sale was purchased. So and in Toronto, they, they very quickly in 2020 um, set up bike lanes in places that they've just been talking about, right? Like almost overnight. I was like, why Like, why have you been sitting on these plans for years? Because this happened in a week and a half, you know? Um, so yeah, Toronto has become a much better, uh, much more bike-friendly city because of that, I think. You know, it's much more accept- acceptable, which is well, great. great. Yeah, no, yeah, the pandemic has made some interesting opportunities. And yeah. Including my giving me an opportunity to reach out to you and talk Dungeons and Dragons rather than, you know, Great Big C or, you know, uh, know, any of those other amazing things that we've had opportunity to uh, to partake of over the years. So I appreciate you sitting down with us and us being me. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I guess, are there any things about the play or other projects you want to get out there before we, uh, you know, uh, I guess end the interview and return you to, uh, I guess, pre- preparing for a, a battle with D&D nerds. I know. I got to work on my dungeon. Um, yes, uh, Canadian College of Performing Arts. Uh, Google them to find the links to the musical. Musical runs February 11th to the 17th. There are six shows within the, the, those times. Um, it's something like 7.30 Pacific time, I think, is the is one of the times. But there's there are a number of them uh, scheduled different times during those six performances. Uh, Toronto Songwriting School, take classes, come to getaways. It's awesome. Um, and I think that's about it. I think in terms of stuff I have to plug, but I also just want to say that I'm, I'm like, um, I'm, I'm like, I, when I say like, I'm really loving being back in the D and D community. Like it's, it, I really mean that. And it's been, it's, it's really been great. Like not just really fun, but finding these, this, this group of guys and they're, everyone's in their forties and fifties, you know, um, to, to play with, you know, and to go on this adventure with. And, and, um, it's, it's been, it's been really cool. It's been really cool reconnecting with, not just because it was part of my youth and I, and I'm rediscovering my love for it, but, but that sense of community and that sense of magic, quite frankly, um, like literally where do you find magic in the world? And, and Dungeons and Dragons is, for me is that place, you know, so it's been phenomenal to be, to, to come back to it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. I've had a very similar experience with, you know, Kim was like, you got to have something else to talk about. And so I started you know, talking to people about D&D and it kind of slowly expanded to where I now have my own podcast. Yeah, I guess I would you know, let you know you have an open invitation if you ever want to be a guest on our podcast as a player. Um, you know, I know it sounds like you're DMing, but uh, um, yeah, we'd love to have have you on as, as a guest character <laughs> for cool. a two. Um yeah, yeah. Why not? You know, because the, the adventures are fun, but definitely give us a listen. And we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up on the podcast. In fact, um, we have an artist in Australia working on some really cool scene art for, you know, uh, one of the scenes that we uh, we thought we did particularly well with. Um, but uh, that's great. Right. Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of places where the podcast is taking us. But, you know, it's also yeah, I'm hoping to do more interviews as well. And I appreciate you being my very first interview 
for the Leaders and Legacies podcast. And be, you know, thank you for being a leader within your community and, and supporting the arts as well as so much, much more um, where you live. And in fact, that's how we make the world a better place is by having you know, people like you and hopefully me. <laughs> yeah. Well, cheers. Yeah. And, and thanks for the doing this and thanks for the platform. It's been, it's, and it's been a great chat. Yeah. For oh, sure. absolutely. And we will definitely put the links for the shows as well as yeah, the tickets and things in the show notes. And when we get links for the May stuff, let me know and uh, I'll put, put those in there. So I absolutely appreciate um, yeah, you coming on. Yep. Cheers. again for your dungeon master moment with our very own dungeon master the scouter dm dave really good to get to talk to murray this evening and one of the things that was great to hear was his philosophy on being open to the opportunities that present themselves in our lives that i think if we all kept our eyes open we could be much more successful a lot of times we are closed off to those opportunities and therefore don't embrace them and then don't succeed so be open to those opportunities we know you're out there looking to support us so there's many different ways in which you can support us one of the ways is with dollars if you join our patreon you actually get our early access to episodes as well as cool merch that's available nowhere else and many many other things so go over to patreon.com slash leaders and legacies to find out more about that um, you can also help us in ways that don't involve money writing a review making sure that you download episodes each week on your favorite podcatcher or just by introducing us to someone else who hasn't listened before and making them a regular listener now all the legal bits we are not affiliated with the boy scouts of america or wizards of the coast although we do recommend that your life will be better with them in it so please support and participate with them all of our music is licensed from soundstripe.com additional images are licensed from shutterstock.com our logo was created by katherine evans don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Leaders and Legacy. And make sure that you subscribe to our blog at leadersandlegacies.com. And never forget to remember... Yeah, dude, there's... I actually get a bonus action now. 